Chapter 5 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B.M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Mamperard. Chapter 5 Pericarditis. Pericarditis is inflammation of the pericardium, the membrane surrounding the heart. This membrane is composed of an outer coarse fibrous layer and an inner fine serous layer the pericardium surrounds the heart on all sides and above the beginning of the aorta and pulmonary artery below the membrane is firmly attached to the diaphragm the inner or serous portion of the pericardium is subdivided into two layers an outer one lying against the fibrous pericardium and an inner one lying directly upon the heart muscle between these layers which are in contact with one another are found a few drops of fluid which act as a lubricant as with each beat of the heart these two layers slide one upon the other inflammation known as pericarditis is practically limited to the serous portion of the pericardium and does not involve the fibrous layer at all etiology one rheumatic fever the most common factor two lobar pneumonia three nephritis a acute b chronic four scarlet fever five other infections pericarditis is almost always of infectious origin and is brought about by germ action pericarditis is divided into two great classes one dry pericarditis two pericarditis with effusion pathology dry pericarditis congestion of the outer and inner serous layers of the pericardium exudation of serum fibrin leukocytes between the layers a meshwork of fibrin is formed which prevents the two surfaces of membrane from working smoothly one against the other this meshwork is frequently found to contain bacteria the heart muscle which lies next to the inner layer of the membrane is secondarily affected and the individual muscle fibers when examined under the microscope may show degenerative changes pericarditis with effusion instead of the formation of a meshwork of fibrin with but a small amount of serum in this variety of pericarditis the exudation of serum fluid is the main feature the exudate is very abundant and in extreme cases may amount to as much as a quart the nature of the fluid given off from the surfaces of the membrane depends upon the nature of the infecting germ it may be one serous a clear yellowish fluid two purulent cloudy or yellow from the presence of pus three hemorrhagic bloody symptoms pericarditis rarely appears as a primary disease it usually makes its appearance as a complication of some pre-existing infectious disease hence 
because of the existence of another malady those symptoms due particularly to pericarditis are apt to be masked for instance if in the course of rheumatic fever there is a rise in temperature without the involvement of additional joints or without the onset of delirium or other nervous symptoms pericarditis should be thought of as a possibility the following symptoms are those most characteristic of a dry pericarditis one pain in the region of the heart or in the epigastrium it may at times radiate to the front and sides of the chest pain is due to the abnormal friction between the layers of the pericardium arising because of the presence of the fibrin meshwork it may be sharp or dull and is usually continuous if the pain suddenly ceases while the temperature fails to drop it is a sign that effusion has set in effusion stops the pain by mechanically separating the layers of the pericardial membrane so that they no longer rub against each other two cough may or may not be present if present is frequent and of the dry hacking variety three pulse invariably rapid 120 to 140 soft and compressible regular until the heart muscle is affected when irregularities are apt to occur four respiration rapid and shallow five temperature usually raised moderately 100 to 102 degrees but in no way characteristic or to be relied upon as it is affected by the fever arising from the primary disease of which pericarditis is a complication six sleep disturbed because of pain and general nervous irritability course of the disease one to several weeks the inflammation may wholly disappear and complete recovery ensue the inflammation may extend to the heart muscle and give rise to myocarditis effusion may appear the outlook in pericarditis is always grave much depending upon the nature of the primary disease b pericarditis with effusion in the early stages the symptoms are the same as those of the dry variety qv later the symptoms are those caused by the accumulation of fluid in the pericardial sac causing pressure on the heart one cessation of pain two fever and cough usually persist three face is pale and the expression is anxious there may be slight cyanosis four pulse small rapid and of low tension it becomes irregular when the effusion is large and has persisted for some time this is a bad sign as it indicates failure of the heart muscle if however owing to some pre-existing heart disease the pulse has been irregular right along the outlook is not so grave the pressure of the fluid on the heart hinders the entrance of blood into the heart more than it does the exit of blood from the heart for blood 
coming to the heart is under very slight pressure as compared with that of blood leaving the heart hence there is dilatation of the small veins of the skin five respiration rapid and shallow and in large effusions much embarrassed both because of pressure of fluid on the heart and because of pressure on the adjacent lung especially the left lower lobe six insomnia marked and intractable due to congestion of the brain by the damming back of the blood and also to shortness of breath seven the abdomen may be distended with gas due to congestion in the portal system of veins there may be constipation or small frequent watery stools because of the passage of serum from the greatly congested blood vessels into the intestines course of the disease two weeks to two months the effusion may become absorbed in from two to four weeks more often however it shows a tendency to remain partial absorption may be followed by more effusion the outlook is always very grave treatment dry pericarditis there is no specific method of treatment that can be used the patient must be carefully watched and every effort made to help nature treatment that has been instituted for the primary disease whatever that may be will of course be continued in most cases absolute and prolonged rest in bed is indicated most physicians approve of counter irritation over the heart in the shape of one heat hot water bags hot bottles mustard plaster iodine two fly blisters three cold often more effective than heat best applied by means of the ice bag or cold water coil other treatment is symptomatic cough insomnia fever etc must be met and combated by the usual methods frequently moderate doses of codeine or morphia are given to relieve pain and give much needed rest for rapid and violent heart action the ice bag gives the best results heart stimulants are usually not needed especially at first as the rapid heart action is due to irritation of the heart and not to weakness of that organ the bowels should of course be kept well open and the diet should be bland and easily digestible consisting in the main of milk eggs chicken raw oysters birds toast etc it should not be bulky and should be given frequently and in small amounts pericarditis with effusion two methods of treatment are available the object of each being of course to get rid of the effusion one elimination by catharsis the object of this method being to give such drugs as will abstract fluid from the tissues and therefore indirectly remove the fluid that has collected in the pericardium saline cathartics are those most employed two tapping paracentesis pericardiae this is called for by one marked shortness of breath 
two marked cyanosis three marked rapidity and weakness of pulse the location for tapping the pericardium is the fifth left intercostal space very near the sternum or else one inch from that bone in order to avoid the internal mammary artery End of chapter five